0: Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the T-Druff, the Film Buff podcast. A couple things to get to today on the show. Nothing too crazy like last week. There's some massive Kevin Feige news twice. Uh, No, nothing like that. We're going to get into my full spoiler thoughts of the Joker film, um, SNL, some Oscar stuff, maybe some insane 4k price that's out there maybe some little bit of movie news um and maybe even some sports we'll see um so first off i i did see joker on thursday night um god it's still really difficult for me to even really put into words how i feel about the movie because i'm still uncertain i don't really necessarily know if i if if i feel good good about what i just saw or if i feel extremely uncomfortable or it's all the above and that was really the filmmaker's intention in the first place Uh, i think it's more of the latter um, to be honest i I think i'm definitely extremely disturbed with what i saw Uh, at the same time i think that movie is incredibly well made Um, specifically joaquin phoenix is absolutely fantastic the hype to his performance lives up do I think that he's better than Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, Jared Leto, Cesar Romero, Mark Hamill? Mm, no. Um, he's certainly in the top half of that discussion. I would still, to me at least, I'd put Heath Ledger first, um, Mark Hamill second, then Joaquin Phoenix, and then probably Jack Nicholson, Cesar Romero, and Jared Leto last. Um, but it's interesting to think about like what Heath Ledger would have done if he would have had this script um, in a, a rated R realm of things and not be limited by the PG13, um, you know, MPAA rating, because this film is extremely violent at times. It's brutal. It's psychologically unsettling. Um, the score is also extremely haunting. It reminded me of like an A24 movie score. Um, I don't know how many A24 movies any, anybody's really seen. Nobody really goes to see those movies, sadly. Um, but it just had that, like, slow burn, um, uh, it almost kind of felt like The Witch score. Um, 2015, 2016 movie, just, it's so, so disturbing, but fits perfectly into the story, um, and really, that script is, is, is slow build towards you know what is ultimately the tragedy of the story and kind of how Joker finally goes off the edge. Um, I mean, it's just it, it's truly disturbing. I mean, will I ever want to see this movie again? It's the question I kept asking myself, and the question I'm still asking myself. I don't think I ever really need to, because um, I remember pretty much everything about the movie, and I remember all the scenes. I remember how I felt during each of the scenes. I don't know that I need to feel that again. Um, you know, there's certain horror movies that are great, uh, you know, one-time viewing. Like I already mentioned, The Witch. I'm never going to go back and see The Witch again. That was too weird and unsettling for me. But there's horror horror movies like yeah, you know, Halloween. I'll rewatch. Happy Death Day. I'll rewatch. Uh, Don't Breathe. If you want to call that a horror movie and not more of just a straight thriller, I'll rewatch. Um, y- you know, there, there's plenty. I mean the shallows. I'm looking at, you know, my movie list over here. I would rewatch that again. Um, pl- plenty of horror movies I rewatch. This isn't even really a horror. It's more of the psychological thriller. And I don't think I'm ever gonna sit down and, and experience that one again. I, I thought for certain I was gonna go see this in IMAX and and uh, you know all sorts of different times, maybe in Dolby. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I'm gonna ever see this movie again. Um, but that's, that's not necessarily a discredit to the film. It's just, it's more of actually a credit to how it makes you feel anyway. Um, but there's things I ended up liking in this movie that I was certain that I would absolutely despise. Um, especially about halfway through the movie when you kind of feel like, is he going to have this relationship with Zazie Beat's character? I'm not even sure we got her name in the movie. I don't remember what her name is. Um. like oh why is she going to see him at the comedy club why is she even smiling at him he's extremely disturbed man and he's not necessarily being anything but creepy to her it's like why is she connected to him like what what are we doing here with this then of course it turns out that you know he's he's essentially imagining her in all these different situations and imagining how she would feel because you know we're left wondering what he ended up doing to her and uh kid in in the apartment building when he just shows up there and just sits on her couch um and then we don't see what happens we just hear police sirens in the background as he leaves the apartment which just leaves you in an even more unsettling territory and that's i mean that's probably to todd phillips credit um but i can also certainly see like why people's opinions on this movie and why there's this huge controversy around like what the point of this movie is, what the message of this movie is. Um, I, I, I don't know that I can really tell you. I mean, I know it's about a you know, man that's pushed to the edge by a society that's, um, doing everything it can to bring, you know, the common man down. Right. Um, which also brings me to the point that this is perhaps maybe the most fleshed out version of Gotham we've ever had. Um, I don't know that it's a version of Gotham that would necessarily work in a Batman movie. Maybe um, it's a harder edge. It's like a Dark Knight Returns version of Gotham almost. Um, you know, there's there's riots, there's protests. It's like an uprising almost at the end. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I'd be very interested to see what Matt Reeves does with Gotham after he sees this movie, and if he takes any sort of inspiration on it at all. Um, Another thing I thought I was going to hate was, you know, we had heard five, six months ago that when the script kind of leaked to, uh, you know, online and there were people reading it and posting spoilers about how, you know, Joker may end up being Bruce, or not not Bruce Wayne. Well, I guess you could say Bruce Wayne's half-brother, but I was going to say Thomas Wayne's son, because we knew Thomas Wayne was going to be in this movie, Um, you know, how we would feel about that. I was like, please don't do that. Don't do that. And when we initially think that in the movie, uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, ah, come on, like, what are we doing? Why do we need to connect everything? Why do we need, Why do we feel the need to, to connect this thread that, you know, Batman and Joker are already connected, you know, from their various origin stories that we get over the years. They've always had a, you know, yin yang. They're, they're always connected in some sort of way. It's like the the chicken before the egg, the egg, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, so I didn't think we needed any sort of extra tie-in, um, but of course, of course, you know, they had to do it, and then they didn't. They completely pulled the rug out of under us. Like, I mean, you could still choose to believe maybe that somehow Arkham messed with the filings and uh, maybe um, Joker's mom... Uh, was her name Pamela Fleck, something like that? Maybe she was somehow telling the truth and we got this whole bait and switch. I don't think so. I mean, I think we're pretty much meant to believe at the end of the movie that, uh, that Arthur Fleck is not Thomas Wayne's son. Um, but I just, I found that whole bait and switch to be really captivating. And I was like, this is much better than I thought they were going to play this out as. Uh, I also didn't know how it was going to feel about the laugh. You know, we hear the laugh in the trailers. It sounds cool. It sounds haunting, very disturbing, but like, how is it going to play out in a full movie? I don't know. Um, is it going to work? We've had so many iconic laughs. Like even, I mean, I'm going to say like, even Jared Bledo's laugh is awesome. Like that slow, very like screechy laugh. Like I loved it. I loved it. That was one of the few things I actually loved about Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn, Joker's laugh, maybe Will Smith is Deadshot, Amanda Waller, um, is Vi- Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. That's probably all you get. Um, enough about Suicide Squad. I have mentioned that movie enough now. Um, also, the inclusion of the Wayne murders outside the theater. Um, I love that they kind of did another little bait and switch when uh, Arthur Fleck goes to visit Thomas Wayne in the the bathroom of one of that theaters because, of course, he sneaks in. Um, You know, you think that perhaps, is he going to kill them at this theater? Is that how they're going to do this bait and switch? Like, is that how they're going to do the Wayne origin story? If they're going to include it at all, but we kind of figured that they were probably going to include something like that. Um, And no, 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 they did the the switch. It's not that not at all doing that in the theater. Uh, of course, then it happens at the end of the movie in sort of a you know, inconsequential almost like off to the side sort of had to do with what the Joker was doing and what he did um to De Niro and and everybody else there that he that he killed. Or no, did he only kill De Niro at the theater at the, or the, the I think he might have only killed De Niro at the show at the end. Never mind. Um but so you know, I love that it's sort of like, a, he kind of causes it, but he kind of doesn't really cause the, you know, the origin of Batman, but he sort of does at the same time. And also just the Wayne family in general causes the, like, I've loved that origin of the Joker and the origin of the Batman in that way, you know, incidentally, I think that that's such an interesting way to do it and much better. I mean, much better than the way the 1989 Batman, I, I don't need that, um, Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, what I wrote down here in my notes is that this is probably the best possible interpretation of the Joker in a rated-R solo film. Like, if we're not going to have Batman at all, uh, this is just going to be that one-off. Like, it's probably the best interpretation you can have. I don't know that there's anything I would, like, overtly fix about the movie, It's just a matter of like the movies to me are always like I always give ratings and and reviews on movies about how it makes me feel and how that and how my feelings correspond to what the movie was trying to do. Right. Because movies are trying to entertain you in one way or another, whether that entertain leads to, uh, you know, moving you emotionally into tears, whether it's moving you into laughs, um, whether it's moving you into thought provoking, you know, realm after the movie um whether it's trying to get you scared um whether it's trying to get you to to look up more information about the subject and kind of inform you in a way like that's what i always think movies are meant to do that uh, of course they're meant to make money we all know they're meant to make money but they're meant to move you in a certain way and if they do that um whether or not the movie is ultimately great if they do if they set out and and succeed in what they set out to do that was a mouthful then i think that they're ultimately i mean that's what they set out to do so you have to give it a good score that's what i feel like so you know what i mean like there could be movies like let's say storks you know i don't know why i just thought of storks but i'm thinking of storks or even abominable which i just saw a couple days ago which was much better than i expected um it you know those movies? Are they the best movie? No. Are they even as good as most Pixar movies? No. But they certainly moved me in a way that I know that they were trying to do. So I gave those movies a good score. You know what I mean? So ultimately, Joker disturbed me like it was trying to do. It was trying to get me to to be more thought provoking, to to disturb me, um, to make me feel a certain way about Joker and make me maybe a little nervous about you know a certain real world correlations that could possibly be, could possibly have. Um, So, I mean, ultimately, the movie's good, and I can't deny that the movie's good. But I don't know that I can give it more than, like, a high seven, maybe even low eight. We're still going to see. I I don't know how I'm going to score this film, when I'm going to score this film, but that's just my initial thoughts. Um, I think the last question that I'm going to lead with here is, ultimately, what everybody's talking about now. So, like, what nominations could the Joker get um i think guaranteed walking phoenix gets nominated i think in a world where he doesn't get nominated i would be shocked for an academy award i mean um i'm sure he'll get all sorts of other awards but academy awards is what we're really talking about here because those are the important ones um i think todd phillips has a shot for best director but i kind of would lean towards no I that's that's my gut feeling. And ultimately Best Picture as well. I kinda would leave to lean towards no as well. I don't know that this is a movie that's gonna get a massive push from the Academy. I think that they're gonna love the movie, but I don't know that they're gonna wanna nominate this for Best Picture. That's my that's my gut feeling. Um I think cinematography is very good chance. Uh I think what is it, Lawrence Scher, I think, who shoots this movie? Uh, I think that's a very good chance. I think if they don't nominate uh, Hilda's score in this movie, they are, I don't want to say idiots, but they're idiots. Because um, that should be a lock. It should be a shoe-in for a nomination, maybe even a win. Um, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, it could be you know editing. I think the editing was great. Um, I think the, the script was very good. I don't know how great of a chance they have with those nominations, but I think... For sure, and I'm gonna guarantee this right now. You get a nomination for score, you get a nomination for actor, um, and I would I would go with cinematography as well. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the Academy Award, uh, you know, bait movies just yet. We're only in the beginning of October here, but that's, that's my gut feeling. So, um, so that's the Joker. Um, we're gonna leave leave with thoughts there. 15 minutes in, 15 minute review. That sounds about right. Uh, last night, Phoebe Waller hosted SNL. And she uh, absolutely killed it. If you haven't seen her opening monologue, take a look at that. That seems like the most, I, t- I tweeted out, I think it's the best SNL monologue in years. I've seen probably about 70% of SNL episodes in the last four years. And beyond that, I see, You know, I probably saw about half of them. So like, you know. I'm talking about the last three or four years. I think that that may be the best monologue I've seen in the last three or four years. Because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times the celebrities who host SNL aren't necessarily, you know, comedians. They're more actors, celebrities, just kind of personalities. But I like when they give the comedian or the actor a chance to just do the monologue on their own. Unless they have a great idea – you know, like when Kit Harington's talking to Amelia Clark, hosting SNL last year. I think that was a funny monologue bit. But ultimately, I really do like when they give the you know the host the chance to just do it themselves and not have to rely on the SNL crew um, to kind of move them through the um, the performance and, and kind of give them bits to, to work off of. Um, and you can really see Phoebe's talent and comedic timing there, just in the monologue alone. So I loved that. I loved that she didn't need anybody else to help her out there. Um, and honestly, just the overall message of that monologue was hilarious, uh, and also you know kind of true as well. So I, I appreciated that. It wasn't just it wasn't just laughs. It was you know it was there was thought behind those laughs. Um, Uh, let's see here. What else did I like about her? I mean, the, the war in words bit was probably the best thing of the night that and midday news. Uh, so the whole racist element behind the midday news was really, really funny. Um, but war in words was really great as well. Uh, just the, (laughs) the timing, what is it? Mikey day, I think is his name. The timing of him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge together as the husband and, uh, wife of somebody who's in. The husband of, uh, of a wife who's in uh, World War Two, I think. Is it two? I would assume it's two. I don't remember if they specified or not. But I thought that was hilarious. Um, but I just, I mean, the, the last thought I had was just bring her back next year. Like, literally, just bring her back every single year to do at least one of these. She's just so freaking good. Um, there's plenty of other bits that they did as well. There's plenty of the pre recorded bits that I thought were really funny. The Love Island thing was pretty funny. Um,. But yeah, I I just thought I would uh, give my thoughts on PWB's hosting of SNL. Does anybody actually call her PWB? Kind of like it, kind of don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to call her Phoebe, I guess. Anyway, Disney announced, or I guess didn't really announce, but they posted on their official awards consideration page that they won't be campaigning for Robert Downey Jr. for Best Supporting Actor or Best Lead Actor in Endgame. I found this really interesting um, because to me, even though I do have a bet currently down that Endgame will get a Best Picture nomination, uh, I thought that Robert Downey Jr. was probably their best, best chance to get a nomination just because of the legacy element. Academy always loves to award the legacy side of things for performers, specifically somebody who's never won an Academy Award. Um, somebody who's been in, I think, 10 or 11 films as Iron Man and um Tony Stark so that was interesting I don't know if that came from Downey maybe he's like no please don't campaign for me I don't I don't want that that's not what I was looking for here I'm just making movies making money doing it I don't need to be uh, nominated for Academy Award but who wouldn't want to be you know like if Disney's if Disney's putting forth the money to campaign why aren't you just accepting that anyway um I don't know. I would love to hear somebody from Disney. Maybe the Russo brothers would comment on this. Because, of course, the Russo brothers were also in there for being considered for best directors. Which I think they probably have no chance in in hell in getting. But I like that Disney is at least trying. You know, you always have these movies that don't really ever have a chance to win anything. Like Transformers. Every every single time there's a Transformers movie, they have at least one for your consideration page for every single element of the movie. I remember when I used to get Variety variety magazine back in 2017 the last uh was that the last movie transformers yeah i think it was summer 2017 transformers um god what was that movie even called it's not age of extinction whatever the one after age of extinction was uh they had a for you consideration page in variety magazine that was like mark Wahlberg for lead actor blah 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 it's like what what are we doing here what are we doing just making a fool of ourselves so i don't know i mean I guess my downy prediction for Best Supporting Actor kind of goes out the window there, so that's that. Um, Speed of Marvel, the Marvel Infinity Complete Saga on 4K, it's the collector's set. You know how much it costs? Cost costs $550. Whew. I mean, if you put two and two together... Right, so 4K movies cost typically at least 20, most of the time 25 for new movies. These almost are all new on 4K because Disney decided to delay all these 4K releases for some stupid reason. I don't know why it took some took them so long to make 4K movies, but it did. So you have 23 movies in 4K, 25 dollars each. I mean, it kind of comes out to be like 550 dollars. Is it ridiculous? Yes, because when somebody's in a bundle, it should be less. I think this should be 250 to $300. I think that's what you, you should charge for something like this. Um, but I also understand Disney's probably thinking, like, well, people are going to pay this money, so why not charge them? Because, you know, something like Disney+, Plus, they can charge 699 because they're going to get millions of people to sign up anyway. So it's like two different tactics there. Um, but the thing I tweeted out was, I'm like, all right, $550, right? So you have 23 movies for $550. So all of these movies, if not like 20 of the 23 movies, it might be all of them, but I think it's almost all of them are going to be on Disney Plus at some point and will stay on Disney Plus. That's a 699 price, all right? I just paid $140 for 3 years of Disney Plus. So I don't know what that comes out to. It's like $4. You know, per four four fifty per year per month. It's so what I'm gonna pay five hundred and fifty dollars, like four times the amount I paid for three years of Disney Plus to own these things, in which I already own twelve of the movies anyway, the ones that are actually worth owning. Iron Man One, Iron Man Three, Captain America Two, Captain America Three, Thor Three, Guardians One, Black Panther, Uh is that it? I think that might be it. Do I own any more? Do I own any more? Don't own Incredible Hulk. Don't own any of the Ant mans Oh, and then four Avengers movies, obviously. So I mean, wait, wait, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy this. You know, I'm not gonna buy that. It looks incredible, but I'm not gonna buy it. So anyway, that's the Marvel collector set. Kevin Smith announced that Clerks 3 is back on. He's working on a new script. It won't be the same script that he did a live reading of at Comic-Con. What was it like this past year, year before? I don't know what it was. So apparently he's reconciled with Jeff Anderson. Um, Everybody's going to come back, I would assume. I would assume now that he's reconciled with Ben Affleck and maybe he'll have another cameo. Um, I think he had a cameo in the second Clerks, I believe. I don't think he was in the first one. No, he wasn't. He wasn't friends with Kevin Smith at that point. We can probably get Rosario, Rosario Dawson back. You could probably get. Um, I mean, obviously, you're gonna get Jay and Silent Bob. Um, yeah, I mean, this is very exciting. I've rewatched and watched a couple of Kevin Smith movies in the last few months, getting pumped for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back next week. Um, so I am stoked for this, and I am so thrilled that he's actually going to do this. It's just rumored for such a long time that you just always hoped that he would he would come to terms with everybody else who was kind of on the fence. It was just a matter of time. Um, so I'm really thrilled that, that Clerks 3 is back on. Although it does—I mean, Clerks 2 had such a perfect ending with them going back to the Quick Mart. I, you know— I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do with the script. I mean, he'll probably incorporate some things that he already had in the script from the live reading. But it does kind of feel like, okay, one last ride. You know, they're working back at the gas station. They can bring everybody back for cameos. One last story together. I don't know what it's going to be because it seemed like they they both of them kind of grew up in the last movie. So I don't really know what he's going to do. But I have faith in Kevin Smith because he's such a great creative mind. He's one of the best in Hollywood that never gets enough credit. Like, to me, Jalen Silent Bob Strike Back should be in theaters for more than two days is a Fathom Events thing. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, why why is this excluded from my A-list? No, I don't really care about that. I could pay for Jalen Silent Bob Strike Back. I'll do that any day of the week. Um, but I'm just curious, it's like, why? I mean, why is this not gonna be more popular? Like, you got Ben Affleck, you got Matt Damon, you got Chris Hemsworth in this movie. You got everybody from the... You know the usual crew of the Kevin Smith folks. Like, why? Why is it? I don't know. I, I'm just kind of mad that it's only in two days. I hope that it does so well that they bring it back for more days. Kind of feel like it probably won't just because it's it's not it's not a big budget movie, but it's got big budget stars. So I don't know. Disappointing, but ultimately not surprising, I guess. But I am excited for Clerks. Cr- yeah, Clerks three apparently can't talk at the end of this podcast today uh one of the last things i wanted to mention was the fr- is the going to be the first time i'm even going to mention sports on this podcast is that i was at south bend from notre dame and bowling green yesterday and boy did they put on a showing you expect them to you know, win by 30 40 points they won by 52 it was a complete route they did not give up a single point there was a couple times where bowling green was in you know the red zone they had they, they Threatening, even though they are down like 30 points. Um, but I had a great time. I'm so glad to be back at South Bend. It had been two years since I've been there. Uh, a little over two years, actually, because um, I went to two road games last year instead of going to a home game. I cannot wait to hopefully, fingers crossed, go to one more home game before the season ends. We'll see. I mean, maybe we don't. You know, maybe I just stick at home watching NBC. It's always a great time watching football, which is actually one of the you know the harder things about selling football tickets these days is that it's just it's so great watching it on your home screen that do you really need to go out and spend the money, drive two and a half hours to the stadium, park, buy food, all that stuff when you could just sit in your basement, be lazy as hell, and watch the thing on a seventy five inch screen. You know. People have it both ways. So I don't know. I mean, I had a great time. It was not nothing too crazy happened. Bought a nice new Notre Dame hat. God, it's weird talking sports on this podcast, isn't it? I remember when I when I started out this, this this show, I had mentioned that I was gonna maybe even talk some sports every now and then, but ultimately it hasn't really come to pass. There hasn't been really anything you know, White Sox weren't any good this year. They were fun to watch, but they weren't any good. Hopefully next year, maybe get some uh, White Sox recaps going in there. Uh, some thoughts after every month, maybe. Maybe I just give a, a monthly recap of my thoughts and how I feel about the team. I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to do. it be interesting to see how that plays into the overall show. Uh, ultimately, Notre Dame won. That's the important thing. Um, so recapping, you know, what we've already talked about today. You have Joker came out. I think it opened... From what I saw from Scott Mance's tweet, it was opening to like 95 million. Which, after I saw the movie on Thursday night, I didn't look at any numbers, but I was like, this movie, there's no way this movie's making more than 60 million. Like, who's rushing out to the theater besides hardcore comic book fans to see this movie? It's not a movie. It's it's not a movie you're rushing out to see because it's so disturbing. you got to be in the right mood, you'd think um but at the same time it is the fall time it's a better time to put out this movie it's closer to oscar uh you know oscar time people are talking about all the nominations this movie could get it's understandable in that regard i guess so anyway i really liked joker i just don't know how much i loved it uh, certain elements i did love uh phoebe Wallerbridge absolutely killed it on SNL needs to be brought back. I can't wait to talk about her new show run as well as the new stuff she's probably gonna do for Amazon now that she's signed that deal. Um God speaking of which speaking of Amazon I cannot wait till Marvel's Mrs. Mazel comes back uh, Um so she killed it. Endgame's not campaigning for Downey apparently dumb move on on uh in my opinion to be honest. Um Kevin Smith says Clerks 3 is back on. Yeah, the Marvel Infinity Saga, absolutely costing way too much money. And I was back in South Bend for an ND victory. What a great weekend it was. That's it. That's the show. Now it's time to go binge watch Peaky Blinders Season 5. Hell yeah.